Orby's back, back again, Orby's back, tell a friend, Orby's back, Orby's back, Orby's back, Orby's back, Orby's back, Orby's back, Orby's back. What's up, pinball nerds? Welcome back to episode 493 of your fifth favorite pinball podcast. My name is Orbital Lovert, and on today's episode... I'm so stoked and excited to be letting you know that Haggis Pinball has not only officially launched uh, or sorry, shipped their their second machine, uh, Fathom Revisited 2.0 with the 2.0 code uh, done by Marty Robbins, of course, of the Final Round Pinball podcast. And uh, wow, it just looks incredible. So here's my first impressions, my first thoughts after seeing their uh, small production line they had set up there. There was eight different pinball machines. And for any of you who haven't watched the video, pause, rate, meow, go watch the video on Haggis Pinball. I also shared it on the Pinball Nerds Podcast, podcast Facebook group. If you haven't liked me on Facebook uh, under Pinball Nerds, make sure you go do that because I'm going to continue to be releasing more and more and more content there, including coming up soon, a live to air uh, podcast. So what I'm going to be doing is if you've liked me on Facebook under Pebble Nerds Podcast, you're going to get a notification when I go live. And of course, you can watch me record a podcast just like I'm doing now. That's right. From the preliminary tests I've done, I think that my internet is just barely good enough now. Thank you, Mr. Uh, internet Dude, who came here and helped me out and gave me some tips. I think that we're going to give it a try. I'm going to try record through Anchor. So don't worry if, you know, you've subscribed to me and you have me on your favorite podcatcher, you'll still hear me there. But you'll also be able to watch kind of a little bit behind the scenes. And possibly I might even take a couple chat questions at the end. If anyone even watches, I don't know. There's only like 100 people uh, on that Facebook page. So go join it. The more the merrier. But let's get back to this video. So I watched this thing. It was unfathomably, unfathomably unfathom fathomably unfathomably cool rad awesome for many 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 reasons including but not limited to the very first thing that stuck out to me that i watched and i did see someone put this on the haggis facebook page as well uh was that there was two subs at the back and we all know how much marty robbins loves music and especially music with bass like techno technosaurus i don't know he probably doesn't like that particular song but he likes you know electronica and bass and all that kind of stuff so it was really cool i i don't know um my son hayden was watching there and he, he wasn't sure like he asked like oh is that the only pinball machine with two subwoofers i have no clue but he said they looked pretty big and you can see they take up the whole bottom my immediate second thought was wow this haggis congratulations not only for shipping okay you were a little bit late you're a little bit late we all know you were a little bit late we've all heard people talk about this a lot no everyone is aware that haggis is late but sometimes like i said before first of all genius cannot be rushed and this machine does not look rushed it looks like they took the time and energy 
to dot every mother freaking I out there. They crossed every single solitary T and they didn't just cross these T's. They did it with cojones. They did it with, uh, you know, purpose. It looked like this machine was purpose built from the ground up. I can't remember what the inside of Celts looks like, but wow, just, I, I very rarely lift up pinball machines and, and look under the hood, so to speak, and go, wow, this is gorgeous. This is pretty. But I think if I ever get my hands on a Haggis pinball machine, and if, you know, the rumors are true, and we got, especially if there's not only Centaur, because the, the only thing I didn't love about Centaur necessarily is the code. Very similar to Fathom. The the artwork is beautiful. The shots are incredible. The stand, Everything about Centaur is incredible. So if we get to Centaur 2.0 with the code revisited, and they make it that pretty under the hood, which I'm assuming they would. Why would they not? Because it just looks so great. It just looks clean aesthetically. It just looks, I don't know. It, it looks like it'd be easy to work on. It looks like everything's compartmentalized properly. I don't know. But what I do know is it looks damn pretty. And if I had people over and I had a Haggis pinball machine, I'd be lifting that hood to show them and saying, check out underneath this playfield how freaking gorgeous it is. Gorgeous. Okay, what a beautiful sunny day here. I'm in a great mood. I got to play in an awesome pinball tournament at Chocolate Lake yesterday with all my Halifax pinball nerd buds. Um, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to leave it to the very end of the show. Something new we're trying to do here. Two minutes in the box for the end. I don't need to do a whole show about a pinball tournament, especially not a, you know, a smaller one like that. Now, when I go to Yagpin, you'll probably hear a couple podcasts about that one, even maybe leading up to it. But for a smaller tournament like this, I just want to leave it to a little two-minute recap at the end, okay? So... The next thing that I thought when I saw this was, wow, to any of the naysayers, whether they be pinball podcasters, pinball media, there, there is, of course, one particular person in pinball media being extra negative and rude. You could probably guess who that would be. But to anyone saying, you know, there's, there's not a line set up and why are they, you know, how come they haven't started shipping them yet and that sort of thing. In the video, you, you see all eight of them. The cabs are all done on all of them. I don't know if the back four had the playfields in. The two of the front ones look like the playfields were at least, well, the one they shipped, obviously that one was done uh, because in the video, of course, they actually show them shipping the one. And what I loved, maybe my favorite part of the whole video, and this is just me being a freaking a bit of a dork, okay? But I'm not going to say that everybody who bought a Fathom was like, I'm buying a Fathom because I love Marty Robbins and Head to Head Pinball was my favorite show. But there is a very good chance that a lot of people that were on the fence about buying a Fathom who already knew they liked the playing Fathom and they thought it looked pretty, but they wished the code was better. Part of that reason was because they knew that they were going to get the personal touch from Marty Robbins that he gives to everything. Okay. What do we call that? The Australian golden touch? I'll call him the great Aussie Midas. That didn't sound good, but Midas is actually a person who touches things and they all turn to gold. And that's what I think about Marty, because whether it's head-to-head, -head, whether it's Haggis, or whether it's the final round, everything this man touches turns to gold. Wait, why is it hot gold? Uh, but, wow, Marty, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Damien and everybody else over there at Haggis, it can't be hard to start a pinball company and then all of a sudden the freaking Fungus 19 comes and that created issues and then you know pinball's late as it is usually and then you take you take a manufacturing industry that's very complex and you know some people say has you know a pinball machine can have almost as many parts as a car or more if we're talking about a a ford focus or something probably but i was trying to think of a very small car quickly uh if you've watched the video you also know that there's that 
like cool background techno music is that like from fathom revisited anyways i i'm very 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 excited to get to play a fathom revisited i'm even more excited for them to get all the fathoms out and i know they're going to trickle out i understand that the production facility you know doesn't have as many people as originally were there and i know they're going to trickle out these things happen but that's how a good a good company uh responds you know and make sure they stay financially viable by making sure they don't have too many people working at the factory because if you have people just walking around like uh you know i i even worked at a car factory back in the day and quite often when the the production line went down what we did is we were told to go get a broom but i didn't just go get a broom i actually had a hidden thing of dust like of dirt that i i would push around and i hated busy work and the last thing you want is people doing busy work if they didn't have enough parts for enough people for full production then obviously it was good that they trimmed that down a bit a little bit so they could get sustainable so they could get me my senta 2.0 now i was thinking about this the other day what if haggis uh really flipped a 180 on us okay and they decided to make haggis or sorry they decided to make centaur 2 a 2.0 code would it then be centaur 4 uh uh all right dad joke of the day i'm sorry i i'm pretty sure they're gonna stick with the original centaur not only is it prettier but yeah i'm pretty sure that's the one they're gonna do if they get to it and i hope they get to it because i took marketing in college i did not take production or facilities management uh and even though you do talk a little bit about business sense it's more so from a small business point of view i don't know in a multi-million dollar company like that we don't know how big the reserves are but let's all just cross our little fingies cross our little tiny fingies and hope that they get to doing the good old uh centaur 2.0 that would be so cool so and, and i believe they will i i truly believe in my heart that they will for some people trying to act like Haggis is the next deep root or something is just absolutely crazy. And that is the last time you'll ever hear me say DR out loud. The good old deep root. Deep root, you've been deep rooted from the Pimmel Nerds podcast. Orby shall say your name ever again. I'm locking it up. Throwing away the key. Splash. It just went into the Atlantic Ocean and it's going out there to see it's gone forever. What else? Oh, I oh, I was talking about this earlier and possibly got a little sidetracked. A lot of people like Marty and trust in Marty because everything he's done basically has, you know, turned to gold, including I believe this machine which I think will only go up in value. In fact, I'd be shocked if a year from now this machine wasn't worth 10, 20, even maybe 30% more than it is. Okay, especially the 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 merman edition, the mermaid edition, the limited one, of course, the other one, maybe not quite as much, even though I, I would guess it would hold its value very, very, very well. But what the one little thing that I liked as a dork that I thought was just very cool is uh, I, we got to see Marty Robbins stick on a little tiny sticker with a picture of Marty and it said MR beside it for Marty Robbins. And I'm assuming it means it's been Marty Marty Robbins approved. I, I've got to guess he's doing quality control. He's doing play testing. He's making sure. Uh, I think just, you know, and again, I I rarely have ever talked to Martin other than maybe uh, 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 I talked to Marty for maybe like five minutes at the intergalactic pinball thing at Pimberg uh, attorney. And I, uh, you know, fortunately got to speak with him uh you know, for about an hour or so, minus whatever was edited out, which probably was a lot because I, you know, it was a bit of a nightmare on there. I'm not going to lie. Um, 
but he puts this cute little sticker there and I cannot believe how cool it looked. I really think that this is just aesthetically from a pure prettiness point of view, the nicest looking pinball machine I've ever seen. I'm serious. Like I just, I'm trying to think like, I can't think of a trim. I can't think of a just, oh my gosh. They even had the uh, cutouts of Haggis Pinball on the back, which I thought was really neat. And, you know, Marty's updates to the code just make the playing of it so much better. And I, I'm not going to lie. I've only been able to play Fathom maybe one or two games. And that was uh, up at Adam Becker's place for a flip frenzy. And I enjoyed it. But my first thoughts were with Fathom that, you know, of course the code could be better, even just playing it a few short times. But can't wait to play that. Good on them. The next part I have to talk about is not as enjoyable, but it's very, very, very related. So many of you will know, a lot, a lot of you do not follow Chris from Canada's Pinball Podcast at all. And if you want to just end the episode here, go ahead and do that. I will not be at all offended. I have nothing to shield you whatsoever because I'm sold out of all of my medium and dark roast coffee, uh, which is just awesome. I had two more good awesome fans uh purchase coffee so that means i've now made four cents per episode of the pinball nerds podcast that's great thank you so much uh they're both pinball nerds back there in good old well i should say near in around near southwestern ontario or, or london shout out to the forest city and everyone there um what i will say though is on saturday on chris's show i was i was probably very being very 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 rude on his live stream now that was, I, in my head, I believed that now I have to remember my mom's voice in my head saying, Albert, two wrongs don't make a right. And he came at me pretty hard on Thursday night. My whole thing on Thursday night, he did a live stream where he did a 40 minute live stream talking about my, I believe my part on final round was like 45 minutes or 47 minutes or something like that. Go listen to the whole final round pinball podcast. The whole thing is great. Not just my portion. In fact, arguably the end is a lot better and a lot more co coherently put together. I will say this because he said, you don't interview Albert. Albert just goes and then you have to break it down. Chris, that is true. But believe it or not, I have been on other shows before. And I must have done something right when I was on your show, Chris. Because not only was I the first show of yours to hit 5,000 listens. In fact, you pulled mine down and we had got in an argument or dispute or something at some point, And mine wasn't even listed there for, for a very, very, very long time. So it ended, I ended up going down to like your second most listened to podcast. But uh, now I think I'm back up there. Like it's either number one or number two. I haven't looked in a while, but of all the, you know, of the number of listens. So although I understand that I quite often do not make sense and I go on tangents and I speak too quickly and I use a lot of filler words. Obviously, people are at least somewhat entertained because you got a lot of listens from that one, which shockingly got more listens even than when you interviewed Gary Stern, which is like, what? But Chris said something that really bugged me. And, you know, he spent 40 minutes on that one just saying the number one thing that he said that bugged me was that, why did you not ask Marty Robbins why they haven't really in an hour and 40 podcasts? You couldn't ask him one time why they hadn't. And I thought to him, I thought to myself, and then I told him, as you'll hear in a second, Chris, I am invited on a show to talk about why I left pinball media, which is kind of sort of for reasons like this, to be honest, partially. 
And then the other part of it was to talk about marijuana and, and playing pinball. And I was glad to do that. I was happy to do that. The issue was on that particular day, I was freaking exhausted. I had caught up at 4 a.m. I was basically starting, you know, when you go, when we go start a new market, it's kind of like your first day at a new job. You have to go around and talk to every other vendor there and look at their products and you have to make sure you schmooze the market manager. And I was running off and doing DoorDash in between. And then I was giving away the whole last hour. We give away free iced teas to everybody just because we don't like to go home with any in our cooler. And I was just exhausted. And then I had to drive an hour and a half over a mountain range to get back. Plus, you know, in and out of this whole time, like, like after I was done driving for the day for the next like six hours after I was done that job, I was smoking a fair amount of marijuana, which believe it or not makes you tired. And somewhere around nine o'clock an hour before the interview was going to start, I begged my awesome wife, drop target Danielle to make me a double espresso. That didn't work because at nine 30, my eyes were burning and falling asleep. And although I had promised I wasn't going to have any beer or marijuana for this, I actually broke that rule and and literally went to the fridge, took up my last three tall cans of craft beer, opened one, drank it fairly quickly in about 10 minutes and thought, if, if I can manage to get to two beers before the podcast starts, I'll start to wake up a little bit. Because not only was I nervous to speak with Marty and Jeff, but I also wanted to make sure that I wasn't too drunk or too high on it and that I was making sense and that I was not blaming me leaving pinball on anyone. And I had about 20 different things I wanted to do and make sure that I didn't say. I didn't say most of those. The problem was I ended up getting a little bit drunk, a little bit high and very tired. And when all of those things happen, I'm not a good judge of when to shut up and let other people talk. And at one point, I'm sure I went on for like five minutes straight and probably Jeff and Marty were just shaking their heads. Now I didn't have them on vi visual, so I wasn't able to see them doing that, nor were they able to put up their hand like I know they do on Triple Drain. So I think moving forward, I am, and this is not on Jeff or Martin at all, it's 100% on me. And again, both you dudes, I'm really, really, really sorry that I wasn't at my best for that one. Um, I mean, it wasn't up to me to ask them questions either. Like that, I'm not supposed to go on there and be like, now, Jeff, listen to me, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm not supposed to go on there and ask Martin questions. I am being interviewed by them. And maybe this is why Chris doesn't get invited on a lot of other pinball podcasts, because he would go on there and be rude and bring up his own agenda. And that was my whole point was I wasn't going to even like Marty and I both love like, you know, music like a little bit of them block rock and beats like we both love elect love electronic music i wasn't going to go on there and start asking about electronic music uh i know that my pinter and mr Chris, chris grovesner chris hopefully you're doing well fellow member of the pin the poor man's pinball tribe of course uh he was actually one of the very first people if not the first per interview that haggis pinball ever did with damien at tpf years ago so i wasn't going to bring that up because this wasn't my opportunity to ask marty questions this was them their opportunity to ask me questions. And although I did screw up by having many run-on sentences and going off topic tons of times, that's partially because I happen to suffer from and also sometimes enjoy being bipolar. It's it's a blessing and a curse. Sometimes I go two, three days in a row with, with being depressed and I barely want to talk to anyone. And then other days, if I've had a couple beers in me, a couple tokes, and I'm really excited about something, especially like getting to be on my, like I voted the final round, my number one favorite pinball podcast. And that's saying a lot because I listen to about 20 of them religiously. Okay. More religiously than I even am religious. Right. But the one problem that Chris kept saying was that, why didn't you ask them that? And instead of me just responding, explaining it, because now I'm afraid that Chris is going to 
reveal what I actually sent to him privately. I'm going to get a little bit ahead of that. And I'm actually just going to read to you guys my message to him because I'm actually thinking at this point he might be sharing this with people because he mentioned last night about how, oh, Albert sent me a very interesting message. So I'm just going to get ahead of it and be honest, guys, this is kind of negative. This is not where I want this podcast to go usually, but I'm just going to read to you what I sent to him right after watching his 40 minute rant where, where me, a person that he claimed to be his friend, he didn't come to me. Uh, the other thing was he didn't come to me personally. Fia came to me personally and said, Albert, like you had Marty on there. Why didn't you just ask him about this? Well, if I invited Marty on my show, I would have asked about the production. Now, I wouldn't have done it rude or mean or condescending or negative Nancy or Debbie Downer. What I would have said to Marty is, in a try to be as charming as Orby can be, hey, Marty, um, as you know, many times on Head to Head, when you would have Keith Elwin on or other designers or coders or people at Stern, you didn't want to ask about their next pinball machine, but you had to kind of say, hey, our fans have been bugging us. Is there any way you might be able to tell us anything about... I would have said it in the same way. I would have said, hey, now it's not my job to tell you when you have to release updates, uh, you know, from, from your pinball company and when Damien needs to show us, you know, a tour. But I'm just curious because I know a lot of my pinball nerds fans are kind of curious if we're going to hear an update anytime soon about when Fathoms might start shipping. Right. I would have asked it in a nice way. And if Marty said, you know what, I got to plead the fifth and, you know, we're not ready to talk, but I would have said, no problem, dude. Like, but you knew I had to ask and he would, he would, you know, probably would have gave me a funny answer because Marty's funny. Right. So, but here was the message I sent to Chris after he not only didn't talk to me, he didn't thank me, but he went on to say how he was jealous and it was unfair that they interviewed me and they didn't interview him. Well, Chris, the reason they didn't interview you is because you do stuff like that. That's why. Yeah. Okay, so this was my response to him, and I, I will say this is rude, and this is name calling, and this is the pot, you know, calling the kettle black a little bit. But I did this privately before I did it publicly. Before he still hadn't responded to me Saturday morning, but I, I don't think I was quite this nasty on the Saturday morning spectacular, um, which was not very spectacular. It was mostly Chris saying, "Give me stars, and I'll rev my engine," and I was like, "Dude, are you going to talk about pay? no? Give me stars, and I'll do burnout. No, give me stars, and I'll we'll be the first to shift a fathom." <laughs> I was like, that is the most lame. That was the worst Saturday morning spectacular I've ever seen. None of us watching cared about your ugly, overpriced, dumb car. We definitely don't care about your $30 cheap Fathom. Uh, it, it was a nice Fathom little mini model, but it was just very lame. It was very lame. And now that the now that the videos came out showing that's actually shipped, it's even more lame because his little fake thing that he never even shipped in the first place wasn't the first Fathom to be shipped because... More than likely, this video took a day or two to edit and or produce, add music, whatever. It seemed like it. Maybe Marty's better at doing that or whomever did the editing is better than I think. But I've got to assume that it was shipped out Friday probably before he even did his thing Saturday. I don't know this to be true. I haven't asked anyone about this, but that would be my guess. So I said to Chris, I got to be real with you, dude. You complaining. Sorry, you're 40. And I meant to be minute, but I put, I think you knew what I meant. You're 40 men complaining fest last night made you look petty jealous and downright lame i said why the f but i use the full word f-u-c-k uh why the f would i ask marty about production when i was invited on to talk about 420 and come back coming back to pinball media i said you and i both know someone is trying to trade me a one-up arcade that i already dropped off yesterday currently sorry guys uh I said, 
you and I both know that even if I asked, it would have been edited out. And then you spent an inordinate amount of time crying that it's not fair that I got to be on a show when you really want to be interviewed by them. But I had already invited you on the show with me. So you being such a Debbie Downer about my return to pinball makes it seem like you're not even grateful I invited you on. So just a uh, full stop there. Episode 500 was going to be Chris from Canada's Pinball Podcast, but I no longer think I want to have him on the show. So I said here, if, and it's a big, all capitals, big if at this point, if I let you on the show for episode 500, I will be holding you accountable for all the dumb, negative, repetitive, lame crap you never shut up about. Then I went on to say, at this point, I'm far more likely to invite your prissy, pretentious, condescending, and yes, all capitals, unkind ass onto, or sorry, into the ring for a C-grade celebrity boxing match than have you on my show. Congrats. You just turned the only person left in media trying to be your friend against you. Now, I shouldn't have said prissy. I should have probably said pretentious. Pretentious is, uh, someone's trying to trade me a car for a one-up arcade. No, I don't want to use Suburban for a one-up arcade, but I mean, it's pro I mean, if it's a working Chevy Suburban, it's probably a good deal. But I'm not saying this to Chris because I don't think he listens to all the episodes. I'm saying this to everyone else out there, whether this is, you know, a Jack Danger versus Zach Many drama or an Orby versus Canada. It's not good for the pinball community. It's a bad look for all of us to be arguing or fighting. Let's try to move forward. I don't want to befriend Chris again. I'm going to stay on the frenemies thing. I did tell him later. I said, had you just apologized to me, we could maybe move forward. And I think like he did like some type of Sunday thing, which I watched, which again was, it was better than the Saturday one, but it was still kind of lame. But he said, Something about like, well, I hope Albert understands now that he's back to pinball media. He has to be able to grow thick skin. I have very, very thick skin. In fact, my skin is arguably thicker than Kiefer's code on Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Uh, or at least the manual you have to read to figure out which character to use. But when it comes down to him saying nothing to me, after, you know, the podcast had been out for a couple days or, or at least well, a day and a half or something, like after he listened to it, not even like, hey, it was nice to hear you again, but you should have like nothing. And then just scorching me for 40 minutes saying how I don't work for a pinball company. If you want to go up Marty, go up Marty. I don't work for a pinball company. You've said a hundred times that you're not going to have any personal attacks. And that definitely was a personal attack. So for those of you who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, don't go back and listen. I wouldn't support him. I really do hope that he stays behind a paywall. What I do love, though, even just looking at my last uh, One Up Arcade review with uh, Little Orby Jr., like I think it was around episode like 480 or 470, somewhere in that zone, that in itself has more listens than Canada's shows now get, the ones behind the paywall, right? With the 400 whatever, like uh, whatever people are paying, basically what they would pay for Netflix to get to hear him just repeat himself quite often. Now, thankfully, he's apparently done some interviews recently, and those would be, you know, saving grace a little if they weren't about a company that's been defunct for years and never released a pinball machine. So I don't know who, it, I don't know if I'm the last pinball podcast to say this, but I'm just sick of Deep Root everything from anyone ever. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. I, I don't, I don't even care. Like, I guess if like, 
Stern bought the rights for food truck, which they never would. But if they did and they were going to make it a fine, but as long as we just don't talk about deep root anymore, that would be, if we never talked about them again, it would almost be too soon. So hope you guys liked my little mini wrap there, wrapping along with Eminem. I did save a quick two minutes here to talk about the, the uh, tournament yesterday. Thanks to John for running it. Thanks to everyone who came out. It was nice to see Megan and Peter. Uh, thanks Hayden for coming with me and being my navigator. Uh, I actually lost my very first round. I got an X, but it was a four X tournament. Thank God. And I went the next three wins the rounds in a row without an X. So I was tied for first. And then even going into finals, I was tied for first. I did flunk out, even though, uh, Tim, the lion man, Lee and Glenn, the skateboarder. Thank you so much. They were both sending me tips left, right, and center. Once they saw my live stream and everyone who watched that live stream, I think it was already at 150 views in the first like 12 hours. So Thank you so much for everyone to tune into that. I thought maybe 20 or 30 pinball nerds, you know, I only have 400 people on my Facebook. The fact that more than one third of you took time and energy out of your day to watch at least part of that, including Jack Danger, who is the very first one in there. It's just me and Jack Danger. And I'm like, I'm showing him stern pinball machines that he knows way more about than me. But I thought that was so cool. Um, I didn't go on to win finals or anything like that. Unfortunately, I was on Deadpool and I didn't know where the snick shot was. Apparently Glenn said that was important. He did send me a picture with a, a, you know, an arrow on it and everything. So Glenn, Tim, thanks so much for that. John, thanks for th showing, throwing the tournament. Um, please remember that Jack Danger, even Chris Canada, even Zach Manny, even myself, we're all humans. We all make mistakes. I do think that Obviously, you hold people who work for a pinball company maybe at a, a little bit of a higher standard. But that being said, we're all just humans. We all make mistakes. If everyone could just try to be slightly more loving, slightly more generous, slightly more kind. And let's get back to talking about pinball and get this is what my drop target Danielle said yesterday. You guys are like a big freaking soap opera. And I don't want to be like a soap opera anymore. I want to go back to just being orbital lover. Until next time, pinball nerds, remember to eat, sleep, and breathe pinball.